Hello, Disney fans, and welcome to the show. My name is Austin Terrace, and I'm joined here today by my two wonderful sisters, Kylie. Hey, everybody. And Emma. Hi, everyone. Coming up on this episode of Disney Daydream. While Disney World issues a liability disclaimer for guests planning to visit Disney property. Josh DeMauro is named chairman of Disney Parks, Experiences, and Products, and Disney closes Frozen on Broadway. Later on, we'll give you a complete overview of the Coronado Springs Resort. So, take a little break in your busy day, and let's start daydreaming. you so much for taking time out of your busy day to check out our show. We appreciate everybody who is tuning in. If you want to connect with us on social media, then you can do so on Instagram. You can follow us at Diz Daydream, like our Facebook page, Disney Daydream Podcast. You can reach us via email at DizDaydream at gmail.com. Or if you're a Disney Daydream super fan and you want to pledge monthly financial support to our show, you can do so at patreon.com slash Disney Daydream. That's an online community of Disney Daydream super fans. They help us produce frequent and entertaining content, and we're very, very grateful to them. Also, if everybody could take just a quick minute to like, subscribe, leave us a rating on whatever listening platform you are checking us out on, We would really, really appreciate that. That helps us out a great deal. We have some really, really important news stories to cover today, so we're going to hop right into that. First being, Walt Disney World issues a liability disclaimer to guests planning to visit Disney property. So with the reopening of some shopping and dining locations in Disney Springs, the company has put out this disclaimer online and near the entrance to Disney Springs, and it says the following. We have taken enhanced health and safety measures for you, our other guests, and cast members. You must follow all posted instructions while visiting Walt Disney World Resort, Disney Springs. An inherent risk of exposure to COVID-19 exists in any public place where people are present. COVID-19 is an extremely contagious disease that can lead to extreme illness and death. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, senior citizens and guests with underlying health conditions are especially vulnerable. By visiting Walt Disney World Resort or Disney Springs, you voluntarily assume all risks related to exposure to COVID-19. Let's keep each other healthy and safe. Now, one of the reasons why this thing had to be released, I think, is because we live in a very litigious society. God knows that somebody would get sick at Disney in the upcoming months and try to sue. And (laughs) I think that's the reason we need these public, very grim warnings to be out there for everybody to see. But 
Uh, we do know now that guests wanting to enter Disney Springs have to submit to a temperature check. They must wear face masks and maintain social distancing at all times. And if anyone in the party registers a temperature higher than 100.4 degrees, the whole party will be denied entry. Considering what we're facing today, all of these requirements sound pretty reasonable to me. But if you've been following some of the blog posts and news stories, the comments about all of this, I mean, Disney's just been getting a lot of negative feedback. I know online commenting can sometimes bring out the worst in people, but the number of complaints I've seen about temperature checks and face masks is just insane. And although I try to limit the amount that I go off on a rant on this show, you know, sometimes I just need a minute. Like, if you don't want to be a team player in this situation, exercise your right to stay home. Disney is private property. You don't have a right to go in and do whatever you want on their property. And it's not a violation of your personal freedom to have to wear a mask or submit to a temperature check to protect those around you or people in high risk categories. So to the online complainers, just stay away. Allow the people who are willing to follow the healthy rules and common sense rules, enjoy the parks and enjoy Disney Springs. So... Just make more space for the rest of us until we have a vaccine, I guess, because a lot of people want to go and we don't want a huge outbreak that's going to close everything down again. My apologies, everybody. (laughs) But in other reopening news, Universal submitted their plan for a soft reopening on June 1st and a public reopening on June 5th. Disney has announced that they will unveil their timeline later this week to Orange County and the governor but that they will not follow Universal's timeline. So there's still some Disney experts that I've listened to saying that they're almost certain that the parks will reopen on June 1st in some capacity, but that just seems even more unlikely now that Disney has canceled park hours and hotel reservations through June 13th. So I think that we might see some type of extended soft opening of Disney World, But I don't think we're going to see any type of public reopening until maybe the middle of June. But however, it is very exciting to know that we're only days away from this plan being announced and for us having a solid date that we can look forward to. But you know, Disney is going to take it slow at first and they should because the pressure is going to be extremely high on them to get this right. They need people to be able to come back to the parks soon, but in a healthy way. And they don't want any mishaps or any press that's going to blame them for causing some type of like huge outbreak. So I'm sure they're going to be taking a lot of steps to try to mitigate the risk through maybe a couple weeks of a soft opening procedure, where maybe the parks are only open to cast members or select annual pass holders or Florida residents, something of that nature. I think opening initially for Florida residents only is a great idea because that kind of limits the like cross regional um, influence and issues that could arise from people coming in from hot spots down to Florida or people from places where there's little to no exposure coming in to interact with people who there is a lot of exposure. So that might be a good way to start and just try out. Um, their different cleaning procedures and the masks and the temperature checks and make sure everything is working before they open it up to um, 
the entire country where everyone's coming from a different place. I think that would be a great idea. So we'll see what that ends up looking like. Exactly. And it really takes some weight off of the customer service aspect of having to potentially turn away a group of people who have booked a huge vacation package and came from all the way across the country. If somebody doesn't meet that temperature check requirement, I can just, you never know what to expect with this world. Somebody could have a really, really bad reaction to that. So I think they want to have some experience handling tough situations before they open it up to world travelers to come back. But really the biggest story that we see, we saw this week was um, an executive shakeup. And I mean, this is huge. And it's also maybe the happiest thing that I've heard come out of Disney in a long time. So Kylie has this story. So Josh DeMauro has been named the chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. Um, along with this came a ton of different move uh, changes in the corporate executive lineup, but this is the one that we're super excited about. We're going to be focusing on today. So Josh Damaro was the former president of Walt Disney World, and he was named um, the chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products on May 18th. So this is the position that Bob Chapek held prior to being promoted to CEO earlier this year. So he will be filling that role. Um, in this new position, he's going to be overseeing Disney's travel and leisure businesses, including the theme parks, cruise line, um, Disney Vacation Club, Adventures by Disney, all that good stuff. And then he'll also oversee Disney's global consumer products operations, including the world's leading licensing business across toys, apparel, home goods, digital games, and apps. And then the world's largest children's print publisher, Disney store locations around the world, and the shop Disney e-commerce platform. So he has a very, very big role, lots of things to take care of here. Um, with this new new change. Bob Chapek said, Josh is an exceptionally talented, enthusiastic, and innovative leader, consistently delivering strong results while demonstrating his unwavering commitment and care for our cast members and a genuine appreciation for the importance of the Disney difference to our guests. So uh, Mr. Chapek thinks very highly of Josh. Uh, he says, I am certain that he will take Disney's parks experiences and products segment home to some of our company's most iconic and beloved businesses to exciting new heights in the years to come. And then about his promotion, Demaro said, I want to thank Bob for giving me this opportunity, and I look forward to following his record of driving innovation, value, and growth as we deliver unforgettable experiences for our guests. It is an incredible honor to lead our team of talented and dedicated cast members around the globe who go above and beyond every single day. Even during this challenging time, their enthusiasm for what we do is unwavering, and my goal is to bring our cast members back to work as soon as possible so they can continue to create that magic. So um, from everything I've heard about Josh, he cares deeply about the Disney difference and the cast member uh, experience, and so I think he's really dedicated to bringing back cast members um, and enhancing their vital role that they have in creating the Disney magic. So that's something that has kind of started to fade. And I'm excited that he is kind of a champion for the cast members. I think that'll be great. Um, this is the second big role change for him within six months. If you remember, um, 
in November, he was named president of Walt Disney World after being president of Disneyland Resort. Uh, while he was president of Disneyland, he opened Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and helped initiate development of the Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventure. Uh, he joined the Disney team in 1998 and has served in many many different executive roles. One of his most notable accomplishments was being president of Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park as it went underwent its largest expansion in history. So he was a major role in Animal Kingdom. He will be succeeded by Jeff Vale, we believe is how you pronounce his name. We're not 100% sure, but he will be the new president of Disney World. He was formerly president of Disney Signature Experiences and has been working with Disney for 30 years. He is most known for overseeing the most recent expansion of Disney Cruise Line. So the new uh, three ships that will be coming to the Disney Cruise Line, he had a hand in that. So I'm very excited about this um, this transition, I think this is a great step forward for Disney parks. What do you guys think? When we first learned about Bob Chapek being promoted, it was a kind of a dark time, but this is like the best thing that's come out of that. I think this is like the best person for the job. Josh is like pretty universally well liked by his employees and other people that are Disney executives. And if you look at his track record, he's just experienced a huge amount of success with all these different products from theme parks to resorts and also to basically saving um, adventures by Disney when it was about to be an idea that was just abandoned kind of brought that back to life and now it's a thriving part of their travel business so I, I think the best thing about Josh is the fact that he cares about his employees even more so than the customers that come into the park. He cares about them too and the customer experience. But the best way that you can improve that, in my opinion, is by first making sure you have dedicated and employees that are taken care of. And he cares about how his cast members feel and what they think. And he is certainly dedicated to make sure that they're, they're having a great working environment. So I think this is the best guy for the job. I mean, I hope he stays in this spot for a while because he's been moved. I think maybe the longest position he's held before being moved around again was like two years. So I'm hoping that this one sticks for a little while longer. But I feel like he's landed in the right spot. Maybe this is grooming him to be the potential successor to Bob Chapek when his time as CEO runs out. And I think that could be a very exciting idea, too. Something I think that's great about this decision is that um, the previous presidents of Disney parks and experiences and products have had limited experience in the travel industry prior to stepping into that role, whereas Josh has really, um, almost all of his experience with Disney has been in the travel industry. He hasn't really done the the whole media side and that kind of thing. He's just really focused on the travel. And so that gives him a lot of great experience going into this position. Whereas some of the former um, people in this position didn't really have that training and that experience going into it. Right. Exactly. And I think the other notable move that we should just mention um, before moving on is I believe the president of Disneyland has now taken over for Kevin Meyer who left 
who was essentially running Disney Plus and was responsible for launching Disney Plus. That guy, Kevin Meyer, was the front runner to take the next CEO job. So I'm sure there's some there was some disappointment on his front when he wasn't given that position. So it, he's sought work elsewhere. He's going to be the new like CEO or president of TikTok. So oh he's just God. left. <laughs> he's wow. left the company. Um, but I mean that it's understandable. That, how would you feel if that was like the part of Disney that is still working yeah. <laughs> at the moment? And you you just probably feel really passed over. So brace yourself, Emma. I know our last news story for today is a tough one for you to to talk about, but <laughs> try to hold it together. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. Sadly, Frozen the Musical is not going to be returning to Broadway after the Broadway shutdown ends. When I saw this on Instagram, I literally almost cried. I am so sad that I didn't get to see it. It is... The music is amazing, and I absolutely love the show, and I wish I could have seen it. Um, because Frozen was the weakest of the three Disney shows running on Broadway, um, the other two being Aladdin and The Lion King, Frozen was the show to have to shut down. Disney had to close one of their shows because the audiences will likely not return to substantial enough numbers to support three shows. So this is just very sad musical theater news for Disney. Very disappointing. However, there is some exciting news as well. <laughs> A live stage recording of the original Broadway cast of Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus on July 3rd. If you are a fan of theater at all, you probably had at least a little bit of a Hamilton phase. So this is really exciting. If you had told me in 7th or 8th grade that I would get to watch a professionally recorded Hamilton performance, I would have freaked out. So this is really cool and I'm super excited. Initially, this performance was supposed to be released in theaters in 2021, but due to the coronavirus, it will be released exclusively to Disney Plus on July 3rd. That's going to make for a pretty exciting 4th of July this year. Yeah. We'll have, actually have something to do. <laughs> so I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm just pretty shocked that of the three Disney musicals on Broadway that Frozen was performing the weakest out of out of the three. Yeah. I mean, there's no surprise. Everybody knows it. The Lion King's going to be around forever. But I'm shocked that Aladdin was still bringing in more revenue than Frozen. Yeah. It like didn't seem to me that they were having attendance issues. I mean, I didn't really look into it that much, but I certainly had looked at the ticket prices from time to time. And mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't get in the theater for spending less than 200 bucks for a ticket. So I thought things were at least generally okay with that show. Yeah, so did I. And I know that Frozen, the people that actually take the time to listen to it know that it's a great show. Some people, just because it's Frozen, don't want to have anything to do with it, but it's a really great show. And I'm just very surprised that Aladdin is doing better than it. And they would choose to keep Aladdin over Frozen. I think it's kind of stupid, but 
I have to say, I saw Aladdin and it was phenomenal. I thought it was incredible. I haven't seen Frozen, so I can't speak for that show, but I do think that there's just this like resentment that people have. They think it's like too overhyped and mainstream, so they're probably just not willing to give it the chance that it deserves. And um, realistically, you're not going to attract many young families who their kids are obsessed with Frozen unless you live in the area. Most families aren't going to like travel to see Frozen on Broadway unless your kid is really into musical theater. Um, So that may be why it's not just because it has a younger audience and Broadway shows don't typically attract younger audiences. But I don't know. That's definitely disappointing, though, because I wanted to see that show as well. So, Well, that's a great point. I think I probably did overestimate the number of families that would be drawn to going to see the show. I mean, it has all the makings to be an extremely successful touring show. Yeah, and that's the yeah. type of thing that families will travel for. But that is a good point. They're probably not going to go out of their way to take a trip to New York just to see the Broadway show. It's a big trip, an expensive trip, and we'll mm-hmm. just have to wait for the touring production. Is there a touring production going on of the show? I think there is. Okay. I'm almost... A hundred percent positive there is. Okay. So. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be on its way if if not as soon as it's safe to resume that stuff. Yeah. So okay, but we are continuing today with our discussion of the moderate resorts. So stay tuned. Coronado Springs Resort is coming up next. back we are trying to give you all the information that you need about coronado springs resort today the second moderate resort in our guide to the resort series so kylie is going to get us started with that discussion first today talking about some of the history of the resort and the layout Coronado Springs opened on August 1st, 1997. This resort has 2,385 rooms and suites and is situated around a 15-acre lake called Lago Dorado. It is located in the Animal Kingdom Resort area. However, um, it's not... I would actually say it's closer to Hollywood Studios than it is Animal Kingdom, so just keep that in mind. People should the Animal Kingdom Resort area doesn't really mean much. There's like not much over there. You're you're either way out or you're somewhat close to like Hollywood Studios and Epcot. It's like in between. Yeah. Um, the resort recently received a new building called Grandestino Tower that added 545 rooms to the property. This resort was Disney's first attempt at a moderate convention resort, and it is actually the largest convention resort on Disney property. So this resort was inspired by Mexico and Spanish architecture. The resort began a major expansion starting in 2017 with the building of Grand Estino Tower, as well as major renovations to the um, existing resort. And this tower is inspired by the Disney short Destino and the work of Salvador Dali. 
So like Caribbean Beach Resort that we talked about last episode, this resort is massive. There is no doubt you're going to have to do quite a bit of walking at this resort, uh, no matter what building you're in. The resort is basically uh, situated around Lake Dorado. It's kind of a big circle um, that surrounds the lake. So to get from point A to point B, you kind of have to walk through the lake on a bridge or around the lake. Uh, honestly, the layout of this resort isn't really as straightforward as the others, so bear with me here. El Centro is the main building in the resort, and prior to the opening of Grand Casino Tower, it was the main check-in and guest services area. However, now it is only check-in for the convention center and convention guests if you're checking in with a big party. So um, now the guests like your typical Disney guests, if you're going with your family, you're going to check in at Grandestino Tower. However, the two check-in locations are connected by a tunnel slash walkway. So if you go to the wrong place, it's not too far away. But in El Centro, you will find all of your check-in and guest services for conventions, as well as Panchitos, Gifts and Sundries, Cafe Rick's, Rick's Sports Bar and Grill, El Mercado de Coronado, and Maya Grill. El Centro is also connected to the convention center, which features more than 220,000 square feet of dedicated meeting and event space. New meeting venues include a 24-seat boardroom and a 2,859-square-foot Lentana room that divides into three smaller rooms. There's also a 1,674-square-foot pre-function space, which also includes a show kitchen, which is kind of fun. So if you follow the tunnel pathway to Grand Destino Tower, you're going to find the guest check-in area and guest services. The Barcelona Lounge is located in the lower lobby, and Dahlia Lounge and Toledo Restaurant are located on the 16th floor. Here you're going to find the fitness center, which is the only fitness center in the moderate resorts. Most moderate resorts resorts do not have a fitness center, so that's important to note. And you'll also find the Grand Destino Plaza. Most of the time when you exit the main buildings at Disney resorts, you're going to enter the heart of the resort with the pool area and all that immediately. But here you're going to walk out and immediately be met by the lake. So there's a path that circles around the lake to get to the rest of the resort. But they have also, in their most recent expansion, added a three-pronged bridge that crosses the lake so you can get to the opposite side of the lake more easily, which is Super convenient. I can't imagine just doing the whole loop every time you wanted to go to your room. That would just be a lot of walking. So very happy that they added this bridge. And maybe the coolest feature is that they put a restaurant in the middle of the lake where the three bridges intersect. This restaurant is called Three Bridges Bar and Grill at Villa del Lago. In addition to the tower, the resort is split into three different sections, and each section section is intended to represent a different aspect of Mexican culture and lifestyle. So the first section, located to the left of El Centro, is the Casitas. This section is themed to portray the region's urban areas, so this section will feature plazas, fountains, and courtyards, and the architecture of the three- and four-story buildings are meant to depict urban centers. La Vida Health Club is also located in this section, as well as its own quiet pool. And then the second section, if you continue around the lake, is the ranchos. 
This section has two and three story Pueblo style villas that reflect more arid and rural regions in a rustic ranch setting. Here you're going to find small streams that tumble over rocky stream beds. Um, it's important to know that this section is very off the beaten path and feels uh, secluded and isolated, which could be nice if you're looking to get away from the hustle and bustle of the resort. Um, but it also puts you far away from the food and all that stuff. So just know that. And it also has its own quiet pool. Then on your way to the last section of the resort, you're going to find the dig site. This is directly across the lake from El Centro and is where the lost city of Cibola Pool is located. This area is themed after Mayan ruins. It's honestly a very cool, very cool pool. One of the... Um, one of the best themed pools at Disney World, in my opinion. So really nice pool. And it also has the largest hot tub on Disney property, which I found kind of interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, it has a kiddie pool, a volleyball court. You're going to find the Explorer's Campfire, Explorer's Playground, and Iguana Arcade. So lots to do at the dig site. They also have a little poolside bar here called Siesta's Cantina. If you continue back down the path that goes around the lake, you're going to run into the cabanas. These are two-story buildings meant to reflect the beauty of Mexico's coast. Most of these rooms have lake views, and the buildings are near a sandy shoreline. And unfortunately, getting into some transportation for this resort, the only free Disney transportation system at Coronado Springs are the Disney buses. So Coronado has four bus stops, one in each section of the resort. The bus route starts at Grand Destino Tower, goes to Casitas, then Ranchos, then Cabanas. This can make for some very long bus rides. So I would consider minivans and Ubering if you're trying to get somewhere quickly because... Um, especially during those peak travel times, the buses will fill up, especially if you're one of the last bus stops. Um, but the good thing is you are closer um, in vicinity to the other parks than most of the Animal Kingdom Resort hotels. So that's a plus side. Um, but you still have one of the longest bus ride times in comparison to the other resorts. So just keep that in mind when you're staying at Coronado Springs. So now considering dining, and thanks to the opening of Grandestino Tower, you actually have a lot of options. So first in the tower um, is the Barcelona Lounge. This is located in the lobby of Grandestino Tower. This lounge offers a European coffee experience with classic Spanish and American pastries, blueberry lavender honey yogurt, and fresh <laughs> squeezed juice. In the evening, cocktails, wine, craft Spanish and American beers, and small plate appetizers are offered. My favorite part about this lounge is a guest sit facing an absolutely beautiful stained glass wall behind the bar. I think if I stayed here, I'd be there every morning to grab coffee because it really is gorgeous. Next, the Dahlia Lounge is located on the top floor of Grandestino Tower. It serves unique appetizers like chilled marinated mussels, olive oil poached tuna with lemon, Spanish potato omelets, and a huge selection of drinks. Also on the top floor is Toledo, tapas, steaks, and seafood. This table service restaurant is a rooftop restaurant inspired by surrealist art and features extremely high vaulted ceilings with gorgeous views of the resort in the Hollywood Studios nighttime fireworks if you eat there at the right time. 
really beautiful floor to ceiling um, windows. Then moving over to the main resort building area in El Centro, El Mercado is the quick service food court for Coronado Springs. It offers a variety of food that you'd see at most other food courts like tostadas, burritos, tacos, pizza, hamburgers, chicken, baked goods, pasta, etc., etc. Then also in El Centro, we have Rick's Sports Bar and Grill. This is actually a pretty unusual spot in terms of what you would typically find at a Disney resort. You don't really see a lot of sports bar and grills around the place, but Rick's offers a spin on bar food drinks, and it even has a DJ who comes in to provide late night entertainment, kind of turning it into like a nightclub area. Um, Usually it's, you know, pretty empty. That's not exactly the clientele Disney caters to, but when there are certain conventions in town, it can get busy. Then going outside, we have the the Siesta's Pool Bar. Um, This is a good choice for guests looking to unwind and relax by the pool. Um, Siestas is right by the main pool, which is over located in the dig site, right in the center of Lago Dorado that Kylie mentioned before you have three bridges bar and grill. It's a very, very cool dining option at the resort and it's accessible via one of the wooden walkways that cuts across the lake. And if you're out there during a nice day, you will be able to enjoy a meal or some drinks with excellent ambiance. Then last but not least is the Maya Grill, or maybe I should say last and least, but <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the main table service restaurant in El Centro. It serves Mexican and American Southwestern cuisine. So I kind of pay attention to a lot of Disney restaurants. I was surprised that I had never heard anything about Maya Grill. After doing some research, um, listening and reading some <laughs> discussions about it, a lot of reviews describe the place as having underflavored Tex-Mex dishes at two to three times the cost you'd pay at whatever Mexican restaurant you have in your local town. So my recommendation would be to check out one of the newer spots like Toledo or Three Bridges. Or if you're looking for just a quick meal, just go to El Mercado. It'll be cheaper. Then moving on to the pools. There are four pools located at Coronado Springs. Three of these are quiet pools in either the ranchos, casitas, or cabanas sections of the resort. They don't have those child-friendly amenities that main feature pools have, like water slides or splash pads. But one of these does feature a lap pool, which is a cool amenity for exercising. The main pool at Coronado Springs is found at the dig site. It contains a playground, sand volleyball court, huge hot tub, and an arcade. It's called the Lost City of Cibola Pool. It's one of the largest at Disney World, and it's themed to resemble a Mayan kingdom uncovered during an archaeological excavation. A 50-foot Mayan pyramid is the centerpiece of this 120 by 90-foot pool, and guests can tumble down a 123-foot water slide that twists out from behind the pyramid. I know it seems like we've just been commenting about the size of the main pools in each of our last few resorts overviews and how big they are but truly that's just like a coincidence about the resorts we've talked about so the main pools at art of animation caribbean beach and coronado springs they do represent actually some of the coolest and largest options that disney world has to offer for your shopping needs at the resort you can visit panchito's gifts and sundries this gift shop is decently sized it looks pretty new but it kind of lacks merchandise that gives the 
the store a unique type of flavor. Everything offered here is pretty standard. But in terms of other entertainment, this is one of the wonderful things about Coronado Springs because it offers a lot of deluxe style amenities for people who need to continue to do some work. At some point during their vacation, there's a well-appointed business center. To exercise, guests can rent bicycles, use the jogging trails, or use the fitness center, something that is not usually offered at any value or moderate resorts. For fun, there are two arcades to choose from, movies under the stars to watch during a nice evening, and all the incredible amenities offered on the dig site, which I talked about earlier. And then the last fantastic thing that's available to you at Coronado Springs that a lot of people don't realize is a spa called La Vida Health Club. La Vida offers state-of-the-art exercise equipment, treatments for kids, teens, and adults, a whirlpool tub, and a sauna. Although I have heard that the spa charges pretty much the same price as Census Spa at Saratoga Springs in the Grand Floridian, Although it's not quite as glamorous, it's definitely still a great amenity to have access to at a moderate resort. And then heading into the room categories that you can choose from, Emma's going to cover those. In the water view rooms, there are either two queen beds sleeping up to four adults or a king bed sleeping up to two adults. You will either have a pool view or a lake view. Um, These rooms are pretty nice. There are great wood floors and, in my opinion, some pretty cool art and what seems to be a pretty big bathroom. And there are also nice flat screen TVs mounted to the walls, so that's cool too. Uh, Preferred rooms either have two queen beds or one king bed. These rooms are located near El Centro, dining, shopping, and transportation. The view is either of the lake, courtyard, or parking area. And these rooms look pretty much exactly the same as water view rooms, just with a preferred location. During peak season, the room rates are typically about $428. The cheapest rate would be $304. And on average, the rate is about $351. For standard view rooms, there are two queen beds or a king bed, again. These rooms have a view of either the courtyard or parking area, and these are typically further away from El Centro. Again, these rooms look the same as the others. Uh, During the Christmas peak season, these rooms are around $372. During the value season, the lowest you could get is $223, And on average, it would be around $263. Getting into the suites, we have the Casitas Executive Suite that sleeps up to eight adults and has a king bed, two queen beds, and a queen-size sleeper sofa. This is located near El Centro, so all the dining, shopping, and transportation with views of the courtyard. This room, I don't know how else to describe it except for absolutely wild. It's awesome. There's a big dining table that really, it looks like the same size as the dining table at our house. It's huge. And there's a living room area and it's just really cool. There's also the one bedroom suite with a king bed 
and a queen-size sleeper sofa that sleeps up to four people, as well as the one-bedroom suite with two queen beds and a queen-size sleeper sofa that sleeps six. The king suites have views of the garden or lake, and the queen suites are located near El Centro with views of the courtyard. All those rooms come with a hair dryer, free Wi-Fi, a coffee maker, a telephone with voicemail, an in-room safe, a lighted makeup mirror, a mini fridge, and an iron and ironing board. Moving on to Grandestino Tower, there are tower water view rooms with either a king bed or two queens with views of the lake or pool. The most expensive for this type of room will be $484, and the cheapest is $314, and the average is $363. There are also the tower standard view rooms with a king or two queens and views of the courtyard, landscaping, or parking areas. The most expensive for these rooms is $440, the cheapest is $263, and the average is $323. The tower rooms have awesome wood floors with this cool sliding barn door to the bathroom, and there's a separate room for the toilet with a pocket door. The bathroom is really nice and pretty big. There's a huge desk area and a flat screen TV. There's also a ton of storage space under the beds. These rooms have the same amenities I listed before. A hair dryer, free Wi-Fi, a coffee maker, telephone with voicemail, in-room safe, a lighted makeup mirror, a mini fridge, and an iron and ironing board. Moving on to the club level rooms, the tower standard view club access room has two queen beds with views of the courtyard, landscaping, or parking areas. The tower deluxe suite club access room has a king bed and a queen size sleeper sofa with views of the courtyard, lake, or parking areas. The tower one bedroom suite club access rooms have a king bed and a queen size sleeper sofa with a view of the courtyard, landscaping, or parking areas. And finally, last but definitely not least, the tower presidential suite club access room. This room has a king bed and two queen beds with a view of the courtyard landscaping or parking areas. This room is just crazy. It looks so cool, and there's a kitchen area and a living room and just beautiful decor, and it looks huge and absolutely awesome. The club access rooms all come with the standard amenities as well as special club-level perks. They receive an evening turn down where cast members pull back the covers of their bed for them, secure key access to the club level lounge that serves refreshments from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day, complimentary fax assistance, access to concierge services at the Kronos Club, complimentary health club access, complimentary newspapers in the club level lounge, personalized front desk and guest services, and access to Disney signature services for personal assistance with their vacation. Something about awesome about club access rooms as well is that you have access to more fast passes. So you can pre-book three additional fast passes in addition to your like normal three that you can pre-book. And the tier system doesn't apply. So you can... <laughs> Really get any fast passes you want if you're willing to pay for that club access. 
willing to pay. Yeah. You will pay. <laughs> It'll bleed you dry. But if you want your every whim catered to, <laughs> club level could be great for you. <laughs> so this resort is good for all adult parties, uh, like couples on their honeymoon and things like that. It's also great for people on business. Obviously, there's the convention center. And it can be nice for families who want the deluxe resort feel with a moderate resort price. There's an awesome pool, so it's enjoyable for kids, too. I think this is an example of another resort people might not think about too much. But the more you explore it, I think the more you like it. The more you watch some of these vlogs, it just looks, everything looks so clean and updated and nice it's mm -hmm. awesome to see these rooms at this price point in terms of value it's at an undeniably good price staying at one of the three sections for you know around could get it for even less than 300 a night being in that tower for just over 300 a night i mean as far as disney's concerned undeniably a great value especially for what amenities you have access to fitness center, spa, excellent pool, and a lot of dining options. So it's just another great choice um, that is available to you at Disney World. The touring plans, we usually do the touring plan reviews at the end of our discussion. It was a little bit strange to me. I'm not sure if they got a very good response rate because there's a huge difference between the people that would recommend the hotel to a friend and then the people that would stay at the hotel again. So only 56% of people who responded would recommend this hotel to a friend. And the Disney average is 76%. So that's very low. And I'm not, I can't really wrap my head around why it's so low unless it was a low response or unless everybody who responded was also there during a convention and it was just super crowded. Well, another thing to consider is that this resort, similarly to Caribbean Beach, was just under a massive renovation. So, and in addition to renovating the additional or the original resort, they were adding the additional building. So there were, that was loud construction noise, all those walls. I know my uh, in-laws who don't really go to Disney were taking a trip um, for a few nights to Disney and they just picked Coronado Springs just because, and they happened to be going during all the major construction and they said it was like fine, but it was like wall to wall, like, mm. you know, it's like Epcot right now, just like all yeah. the walls and all the construction noise. And so maybe that influenced these polls as well. Yeah. But on the, the flip side of that, 97% who responded would stay at the hotel again. So the Disney average is 92%. So just strange numbers. Um, <laughs> this is the perfect example of response bias. Um, <laughs> I just finished up my AP statistics class yesterday. And, Tell us about it. Uh, well, you see, it's really likely for people who feel strongly in one way or the other to be the ones that answer. Like if you really like something you might want to answer, but typically if you really don't like something, you have a strong opinion and you want to share that. So that's probably why the recommendation percent is so low. But I mean, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. 56% would recommend, but 97% want to stay again. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You know, this is a resort that 
is in some ways like an experiment. It's almost like a what they offer at the deluxe level for a moderate price. The availability of a club access and concierge service is very strange mm-hmm. for a resort that's priced this way. And what the types of amenities you have in your room and how it's decorated is, we'll mention, it's certainly better than a few of the deluxe options just because it's been so recently renovated. But in terms of recommendations, who would you send to this resort, Kylie? I think that this resort is great for families, honestly, like us that love Disney, but we're not necessarily um, in that like magical, like everything is magical. And, you know, like as you get older, like you still want the Disney experience, but you want a little more class, I guess you could say a little more upscale. Um, So older families that are looking for a high quality resort experience that still has the subtle Disney magic, I think is. Yeah. I think we, we like to balance that Disney magic and in your face theming with a bit of luxury. So I think I, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend this to anybody with the possible exception of those that have very young, um, elementary age or younger children. Because I think there are better options, yeah. uh, more interesting options for those kids. But even if your kid is entering that middle school realm or older, or if you're just traveling um, as a couple or with a group of adult friends, this could be the perfect location for you. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Disney Daydream Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join us for the next one. Remember, be kind to one another and take the time to find a magical moment in each and every day. 